0: Welcome to The Musician's Toolbox. I'm Andrew.
1: And I'm Angela.
0: And on this podcast, we interview people in the industry to see how they have been successful so that we can be successful too. Um, And today we've got a very special episode. Angela, will you tell us about Lido?
1: Uh, We have Lido Hernandez with us here today. He has a bachelor's and master's degree from the Berklee School of Music. And he is a multi-instrumentalist living in Southern California. He has graced the stage with musicians and bands such as Kanye West and Surfaces, and so we're so wow. excited. I know. Big, we are rolling. With yeah. Our so how do we get so, this guy here? I know. You know.
0: You pulled some strings. I pulled some strings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. <laughs>
1: we're so excited to have him yes, here.
0: Yes, we are. Yeah. Well, just to start off, will you describe your your musical journey and how you got into what you're doing?
2: Sure. Um the household I grew up in was a very music orientated household and it was required that each one of us kids played an instrument. Mm. Try to play an instrument, do a sport and get decent grades. And I, I honestly just chose what everyone else in my family played. So I was like saxophone on the run of the lip. <laughs> and yeah, ended up kind of really liking it. <laughs> <laughs> then I, I finally practiced one day and I was shocked that like, if I practiced, I got better and Whoa. yeah. And wasn't the <laughs> so my teacher told us a bit of information. I totally heard it wrong. Thought I had to learn all 12 keys, like major scales by the next day or else we'd be dropped out of like school entirely. Oh my gosh. I practiced for six hours. And I came back and was like ready for it. And he just laughed because it wasn't due till the end of the year and he just wanted us to learn one scale.
1: (laughs) Okay, what year in school were you when that happened?
2: That was a seventh grade junior high.
1: Wow. Wow. So, as a seventh grader, you went from not knowing any of the scales to knowing the circle of fifths and everything in one night.
2: In major, yeah. And then from there, I was like, well, can I keep up this like six hour thing? But <laughs> <laughs> so for like the next like three to four years, I was doing like six hours a day. Wait, cow. Yeah, and that like jumped me up into the college bands. And um, they were so sweet in directing me and guiding me. And then I started like competing. I really liked it because all the people you got to I got to meet and um, then somehow like magically got into. College didn't think that was going to happen, uh, but they accepted me on a full ride, which can't deny that. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's funny how you thought you weren't going to get in college and then you just happened to get a full ride. I mean,
1: yeah, yeah. like what six that they offer for all the kind of <laughs> freshmen, you
2: know, no big, <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: I, I don't know, think I'm college, I don't think anyone will want me.
2: <laughs> I feel like I could get in, but like funding the at the time, it was fifty three thousand a year.
0: Yeah,
2: I was like, yeah, that's not, that's not sensible. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they accepted me. Whew! And from there, it was like, okay, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing this. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: a good, yeah, a good friend of mine named Edmar Cologne. He looked at me one day in college and was just like, "Hey, man, you love music." You need to stop acting like you don't. (laughs) And that resonated (laughs)
3: with me.
2: And um, that was like the turning point at which I started uh, revisiting what music really meant to me. Mm -hmm. And from there, I just started putting myself deeper into it. And um, after getting my master's degree, uh, another dear friend of mine I won't name his name so people don't start calling him like crazy for gigs. Uh, he he kind of like helped me open some doors. Like at least he opened the doors and was like, "If it doesn't stay open, that's on you." Mm. And um, yeah, all the work paid off, and I've been able to like keep my jobs. Real nice. So I'm
0: interested. You said that you kind of like learned. I don't know. I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but you learned how to love music or something like that. I
2: I accepted it.
0: You accepted it.
1: What what were you doing before that that made him say that of like you love music, you need to start acting like it? Like what can you do you mind explaining to us what
2: not not at all? Um it's one of those things where like since you're working at a craft frequently. People would come up to me and be like, oh, wow, like, this is your love. This is what you're passionate about. And um, (laughs) I didn't really appreciate people telling me what I was. It's like, you know, I have, you can ask me. (laughs) I feel you on that one for sure. Yeah. And um, it's like, it was something I was, I was working diligently on. But I wasn't sure even myself if I loved it. That's a very powerful word. Mm -hmm. And music brought me so much joy and all my friends and work were surrounded and um, immersed in music. But at the time, I don't think it was actually like something I had accepted into my heart. And we'd go on these deep talks, Edmar and I, and that was something we talked about. And he was just like, I love music so much. And I was like, (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, you do too, and I was like, I don't know about that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, someone I really respect, and he could just look me square in the eyes, and he he let me know in a very kind way, like you love it, quit fighting it. That's the awesome. day, I think he said, like the day you stop fighting what's actually in front of you is the day it's all going to make sense to you.
1: Hmm. And he was a peer of yours; you're the same yeah. age.
2: Okay, I'm like a couple, a year or two older than him. Mm -hmm. the
1: dude
2: I swear he was born 50 years old in wisdom like
1: (laughs) we all need an old soul in our life for sure
0: so so was that how it worked for you like the next day you just didn't fight it and
2: oh heck no I fought it hard I uh... (laughs) I I started looking at it rather than just like running away from it and uh, a couple years later there was just a day I don't remember the day Exactly, but I knew it, and I was like, "Wow, I love music. I love my life. Things
1: are cool." I I remember um, I went to Denmark for a summer, and I remember that being something that I really admired about the people that I met there. That mm-hmm. they were able to just tell me, like right off the bat, like this is what I love to do. This is who I am. You know, okay. like I met a girl who was a piano tuner, but she was a piano tuner so that she could be an author because it had a flexible schedule and she was that's and she's like no I'm an author she wasn't a published author but that she knew that was her calling and every single person I met there was like that so yeah I think which I know that at least in I have felt in American culture that we tend to run away from those things sometimes so yeah yeah
0: so for for the person who might be trying to figure that out was there anything in your journey that might help that person
2: oh definitely i mean it it doesn't necessarily have to be music related either just having time to self-reflect and feel feel your surroundings and just you know what resonates with me what's healthy what brings me joy and i think all the answers will come to them
1: like that. Yeah, Thank that's you. great. Um now you obviously have a career in music as you said you've had lots of doors opened for you. What are you most passionate about being a musician? What are the the parts that keep you there or is it everything because you have just told us that you love everything and you find joy in it. But is there anything that you're exceptionally passionate about? Yeah.
2: The party. Definitely the, the party. The party. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I'm not like an after show party or like a bar and drinks and stuff. No, that's definitely not my scene. But creating, not so much the process of creating the party, but finally, like all the accumulated work coming together and getting like whether it's like 50,000 people together or like 10 people, whatever it is, having that, that, that something to present to them that's just going to be like their life their life anthem at the moment, like their form of expression that just lights up their whole year or their week or their day. To me, that's that's everything. That's that's beyond the cherry. That's like cherry frosting drizzle on top, <laughs> wrinkles, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's
1: awesome. I like it. So I think that some of the gigs that you've done in the last couple years would probably... Uh, I know for a lot of musicians they'd be like oh that's the dream like that's Mm -hmm. I I would love to see myself there so um can you tell us a little bit about the process of like how what you did or what doors were open for you to be able to play with Kanye West and Surfaces
2: um sure I substituted for a friend of mine for Kanye um and it was on flute of all instruments. And if you know me, I like kill it on sax, and I can easily be like, yeah, give me sax parts and I'll, I'll nail them. But flute definitely had me like, oh my gosh, like I have to <laughs> wipe the off and start shedding, you know, like here we go. Uh, especially because one of the flautest in the group is an amazing flautist like hands down she's the beyond the whatever I am for saxophone she's like that and beyond for <laughs> so, hey. like, whoa. um <laughs> but uh yeah for that it was just like okay you're gonna sit in for me for a couple weeks and it turned out that um that flute sound was a sound that they wanted more of and um, I got, I went from somebody subbing to a, a member of the group, and they went from having two flutes to three flutes. Oh, wow! Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Oh, up-
1: they had the sound because it was so good. I like it.
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they are always in search of whatever sounds gonna sculpt the album coming out next
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and um at that time they were working with like Mike Dean we had a 80-piece choir there was like a 26-piece band it was just this this huge thing and the sounds coming out were just so lush and thick and Ye really liked flute how it like sat in the sound and he could have very well been like they sound great, but I don't like how it sits in my mix. Sure. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely like timing, a lot of fortune with timing that it just happened to be something they desired. And that's how I got that one. The surfaces, um, same friend, he recommended me uh, for an audition for surfaces. And mm. they had a day of auditioning where they just, had a bunch of really stellar saxophone players auditioning for the spot and it was a key spot and a saxophone spot like one position and um, he gave me some good advice I took it and I showed up <laughs> and I did my very best and the guys resonated with it and once more I'm just very fortunate <laughs> that it worked out that way
1: I remember when I saw the video of you playing with them and just I don't, obviously don't know, you know, the the singer-songwriters myself I don't even know their names but yeah. I remembered seeing the energy on stage of all of you and I was like of course like mm-hmm. this is this is Lito like the mm-hmm. the music they write is just like his heart so maybe I'm off there but it it definitely seemed like it resonated so it
2: was I, um surfaces music in general just if people are in need of like something that's Mm joy-filled, I think they have an abundance of that in every song that they play. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely. Another ensemble I played with that like, I really enjoyed, kind of was the inspiration for me getting a synth. Mm -hmm. Synthwave group called The Midnight. And that was also quite a journey. I substituted as well for that ensemble and um got to do a couple tours with them and whoo, just crazy light shows synths everywhere uh, fans that are just like so darling
4: mm-hmm. like just so sweet
2: yeah because surface's <laughs> fan group is um their shows were like selling out super quick and i think it's because like i mm-hmm. finally saw a group that they're like wow there's like no profanity, like our kids can go to here mm-hmm. and right. purchased all the tickets at once. Mm-hmm. So our shows were like 12 years old, like 17 years old on average. Really? Oh
1: that's so sweet. And it's not a boy band, like that's the thing. Like yes, you're all boys, but it's not like yeah. the typical you know uh, five boys on I don't know anyway. <laughs>
2: Traffic though, isn't that age. It's 26 years old. <laughs> I think those people were like, oh, we'll get it like in a week. <laughs> <laughs> they were sold out immediately. Um, whereas The Midnight, their demographic's kind of like 30s. Like 30s up. And um, a lot of people who like deal with science, I feel, and like love science fiction because the, the music is kind of like, think of like yeah. things music. Mm-hmm. A vocalist. Um, so we just had like epic audiences who just always are ready to have a good time. The surfaces audience is outstanding. It's the loudest <laughs> audience I've ever heard. It was so loud I couldn't hear. I had three monitors on stage and I couldn't hear any sound coming from them. Wow. Oh
1: my gosh.
2: <laughs> I looked up at the the lead gentleman, like the vocalist uh Forrest, and he's looking at me like I can't hear it either. Wow. We look across the stage at Colin, who's like playing the drum pad, <laughs> looking at us like, "I hope to God that these are on point." Because like, <laughs>
0: oh my god, that's funny.
2: We have footage of um, under the stage. There's like this massive green room, and like all the pipes, like all the plumbing is under there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You can see <laughs> the ceiling, smashing all of the plumbing down. About no, we, was, no. they are gonna break through this floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh Dang. my goodness! Yeah, we had yeah. no clue. like that. That's I'm so blessed to be a part of those experiences and mm. encounter those people. Um, Yay's group. It it was Sunday service, so like less fan orientated, and um, it was private because um they did for a moment have it more open towards the public but then people were like coming just to be fans Mm -hmm. Mm, yeah who were seated there Mm -hmm. and this was a spot to be like vulnerable and um like be spiritual and have your moment with like god and that's not fandom that's that's yeah so then it became more exclusive And when we did, when it was open to the public, it was like, we were on a hill, everyone was down here, which is great and an experience all of its own, Um, Mm not the same as like being able to go in a crowd and like touch people and high five, Mm -hmm. in 2020. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. That is 50,000 people there for uh, Coachella. And wow. it was definitely an, like a, a heartfelt experience, I feel. It's really cool. Yeah.
0: That's, that's interesting to hear, like the audience or how, how the, per, the perceived audience of surfaces was different than the audience that actually came. Um, I had this funny when we were talking about who'd have on the podcast um Angela <laughs> showed really me funny. you and I was like oh I've heard this song and the reason why I found it was because it was Sunday and I needed some church music to listen to and so I just went on Apple Music and put in Sunday and then Surfaces came
3: <laughs> <Service>. <laughs>
0: and so I listened to it I was like oh yeah this is my church music <laughs> so I just I think that that uh, is just funny how you have an age range of people coming and yeah it's so fun.
1: Um, when you're playing with Kanye um, that's like every Sunday right?
2: Yeah it was every Sunday.
1: And obviously all of these things are not happening right now because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, is there going to be return of the Sunday services? Have you heard anything about that
2: or? Sunday service is back in action um they are doing a more uh condensed version so it's like choir and i think like two keys at the moment okay and um yeah they were what last month i think they were in like alabama or georgia like in a marsh Mm, having sunday Mm -hmm. services like it's pretty magical looking actually um that's awesome yeah um Then after that, I think they were in Wyoming at Ye's ranch, having (laughs) Sunday.
1: Huh. Cool. So that leads into another question of, you know, for a lot of freelance musicians, um, our livelihood has disappeared because of COVID and lack of being able to, you know, play your instrument in a public place with large amounts of people. So, have you been doing anything to grow and adapt are you just using this as a time to work on your skills and uh try to make more connections or what what have you been doing during this time
2: you know I've been pretty productive um the time wasn't too shocking for me because as you guys might know or whoever's watching this being a musician like on your way towards your career there's like A time when there's not a lot of paid work available Mm -hmm. and so it's like okay how do we cope with that emotionally i had already gone through all of those feelings Mm -hmm. and um i am so fortunate to have had the work i had because it's been able to fund and support the lifestyle i have now even through rona and um covid time (laughs) 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 <laughs> what, what do you call this? <laughs> I don't know in a couple of years when the history books come out.
1: I, I, it's fine. <laughs> um,
2: but I had started the build on my studio, this room I'm in right now. Um, last year, February of last year, and that's right when I got called for Ye's band. So I've been trying to finish it for the last year and a half, and I took this this downtime to to finish everything off, get everything dialed in, so that I could start um, like my production journey and start learning how to like do modular synthesis and learn more about my Daw, work with lighting and filming and like do I want to start a vlog things like that um, mm-hmm. that have been on my checklist, but they were kind of down the road like things I was looking at for 2021 and I was like, yeah. hey, we're just going to flip those. And so now mm-hmm. we're touring potentially in 2021, they'll already be in place and we could just have a blast.
1: Awesome. Yeah.
0: So, so when you, when you lost all your gigs, did you kind of go back into that minds that pre-career mindset of maybe like where you're going to uh, sleep the next night or meals or whatever? Did that, worry you or are you just kind of like move on or
2: to be really frank um, like God's always provided mm-hmm. and I've never really questioned that because mm-hmm. really whatever task is put in front of me if I put my all into it every provision is there
4: mm-hmm.
2: and um, like the midnight had reached out the one group that like i toured with just for like a short stint and they were like "Lido, do you need funding like what ways can we help out
1: mm. that's awesome
2: it was super awesome yeah. and um you know i told them no like i have a situation here that's like i can work with and you know like you guys just keep your heads afloat keep mm-hmm. on being awesome mm. um but yeah, I, I've always been like a really good budgeter. Mm-hmm. So I budgeted, oddly enough, for this type of event. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a global pandemic, but just, oh, what happens when you don't have steady work coming mm-hmm. in that you get paid for? And so I was like, okay, now now is the time to like build so I can have a place to start creating content that's my own, that I have ownership of. Um mm-hmm. haven't been practicing really. Just been building, 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 building mm-hmm. so that I can have a space to just become a little practice monster.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And I do believe it's extremely healthy to take time away from practicing, just as it is to take time to dive into practicing.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever felt this, but Maybe you practice so much gauging, growth becomes hard or progress or you might feel a little burnt out or resentful or just yeah. emotion. Like, we don't necessarily want to invite to our place of creativity. And mm-hmm. so I didn't feel any of those emotions whatsoever. But I felt that like I was in a season where it's like I'm being called to build 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 build
4: Mm -hmm.
2: and the further I got along in my build the more excited I got for practicing
1: yeah that's awesome
2: yeah and of course I had to shed like whatever parts that were coming my way whether it's like uh, we had one song uh, I don't even getting those under my fingers and whatever key the vocalist wants like i those are things that i would have to shed Mm -hmm. um, but i wouldn't really call that practice because for me practice is a long term thing whereas like Mm -hmm. adapting to a situation for Mm -hmm. an event is is exactly that not so much practicing right i definitely had moments where i had to do those things um But yeah, I've touched my saxophone, I think, like, four times year. Wow. Yeah. But I I definitely make sure I don't (laughs) lose any ground on it.
3: Yeah.
1: I mean, was your master's degree, I know your bachelor's was emphasis in saxophone, your master's degree as well?
2: They were both performance-based. And the instrument that I was performing on was saxophone for both. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... I mean, my master's degree, I would wake up at like eight o'clock, get to school at nine o'clock, hopefully. It's kind of rough, even though it was right acro- across the street from my <laughs>
3: where I lived. Oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I'd go 9 a.m. till 2 a.m. Wow. And spend, like, two classes a day, or like one, and then the rest would be spent practicing. Hmm. Then I'd get home, and I'd work until like 3 a.m., 3.30 a.m., go to sleep, and then repeat that for a year.
0: Holy cow.
2: Um, So I put in a lot of time getting familiar on that instrument. And then, like, prior to that, when I was in my undergrad, it was very similar hours, except I was probably, I'd start practice at, like, 10 p.m. and go into, like, 4 a.m., Whoa. And then, like, wake up whenever I had class, like, five minutes, <laughs> before, run downstairs, because I lived above my classes, mm-hmm. um, in the dorms the whole time, so I just run in my pajamas, <laughs> get to class. <laughs> <laughs> all um, yeah, so there's, like, a long history of me just intensely practicing, and having a moment where I can just step away and not be... practitioner but just be like a human living feeling connecting um i think is very important
1: i also think i i hope i'm not shifting too much here but i also think because you're talking about building out this studio that you have now um that was like one of the things that i dreaded the most when i was at school was going into a practice room not because i don't like to practice but because I was used to practicing with places where I'd look outside and there were trees or like in a room with a, with a grand piano that wasn't, you know, hashed or something. And it, it is so important to have like
2: an inspiring,
1: (laughs) you know, or cows, right? (laughs) On the farm. But it's so important to have an inspiring environment to practice Mm -hmm. in. And so, you know, like when you have the opportunity to do it, I think it's just as important as, all the other parts that go into being and to create. So I'm glad you had a chance to do that.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Angela knows me. We used to work together uh, for a children's network and like everyone there's really good friends. We'd gone on a bunch of adventures. I love adventures. I have friends (laughs) to this day who like all we do is adventure. (laughs) having a blue sky and a window to look at it makes me not want to touch any instrument. (laughs) (laughs) Having a space where it's like all these little toys and gadgets, like a little playground, all its own of music stuff um, that I can record and create on. And like the desk that my computer's on. I built that the walls behind me. I built that like, these sound boxes built at the ceiling above, like everything literally I built. So it's, it's so exciting to come into a space that looks extremely professional and to like, be like, whoa, I had no clue how to do that when I started. (laughs) Now look at it like, wow, what, what else can I do? Like I can learn this thing. Yes, I'm gonna learn how to play that arpeggio you know that I don't know how to play yet I can do that too just just wait and then to see it happen and be like wow whoa like I guess there's no limits to where I can go and having this be a room that like constantly triggers that inspiration to me is everything
1: well now that you've said that you'd learned how to do all of that, if someone wanted to create their own studio, what did you use? Did you watch YouTube videos? Did you?
2: <laughs> um, Uncle YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, so basically going to Berkeley, uh, Boston for my undergrad, like Naucus Conservatory in Greece as a part of my undergrad, and then Berkeley, Valencia, Spain for master's what all of that taught me as an accumulative experience was how to research Mm, okay you want how do you research it so that you can accomplish it and um i sought out friends one man jose man fellow musician and he's like you're trying to build come to my car yes and um he handed me one tool a giant nail gun and was like all right here's how you're gonna do the first part of your build after you're done call me i'm sorry
0: so, so you seriously like built it with your own hands you didn't like contract someone else
2: oh no i i oh, okay. it was me that's money for that. Come on. <laughs> well i
0: mean he plays with Kanye. i wasn't sure i mean
2: um i this is before i started working with Kanye. <laughs> yeah, this
1: was this was before the Kanye gig. <laughs> uh, I remember when you started working on this? No, so.
0: building your studio. Are we talking about the same thing? Building. Well, the stu- he
1: started building out the studio before he. was. Oh. Yeah. He did. Nah. It yeah, it's done. Period, but
2: so we have a garage, like a a large garage, and um. I got everything approved. I had to make like blueprint mock-ups and all that stuff. Get it approved by our association. We live in like a condo area. Mm-hmm so everything had to be like to code and this gentleman was like helping me out he's like all right so this is what you do to make everything to code mm-hmm. you go do it Lita I'm like okay <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, I bought some wood made a loft to store all of the stuff that was in the, the garage above um, then I had to build framing for the whole studio I had to definitely ask a lot of engineers about like how to build for like acoustic settings,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, so that like me playing as loud as I can or want to in here will translate to silence out there. Mm-hmm. And at, like four a.m., three a.m., whenever I'm feeling creative or inspired, or I just can't sleep,
4: mm-hmm.
2: I can do so and um, learn the math. <laughs> figured out some of the science between like you know you have a medium waves hit this medium these ones are canceled out you have another medium these ones you know so forth um built framing in the room three inches off of the the walls that were already in existence and then insulated everything with rock wool slapped on i had one jose same guy he did all the electrical um oh nice yeah, that's, like, one area I won't touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Um, structural things, they're pretty, you know, you follow the rules, you're going to be good. But electric stuff, I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, so he did all that. And um, then, like, my friends would just come in <laughs> until they're burnt. Basically, they'd put up two drywall panels. And then just be done. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That I honestly was like, am I going to lose friends on this? They're just exhausted. (laughs) Did all that. Um, Another friend was like, you're building a desk. I build tiny homes. Let me help you out. Best desk ever. Uh Um, I told her, you know, I was like, hey, I've got a bunch of friends and they're uh, they like to just sit wherever. And I don't want to be the guy that's like, no, 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 be careful. Don't do that. I was like, I want to build this so that my crazy, wily adventure friends who love to have fun can sit on this desk and there'll be no worry in the world. And she was (laughs) like, yeah. She's like, I work with steel. That's like my number one medium. I'm like, I love you. (laughs) um, (laughs) Built the frame. I built the tabletop. uh, I smacked them together, painted them out you know, did the whole nine yards, and now I've got, like, my dream desk. Mm-hmm.
1: It sounds legit. Yeah. I love it. Yeah.
0: So, you said that you learned how to research. Um, can you describe what that might be like?
2: Uh, yeah, like, praying like crazy <laughs> for patients. <laughs> I am not even joking. That's real, because, um, I think I'm looking for this, but then it's like researching for that leads me to like, okay, you actually need to know this, this, and this, and this, and to get to this, you have to like get past these barriers and prepare mm-hmm. that. And um, the research wasn't too hard. It's like go to um, like chat rooms that specialize in these things that are like forums that are held by like either engineers or um musician engineers or like actual like structural engineer people um and like just visit hundreds of them and cross-reference until it's like okay this is the thing that like occurs most this is the Mm -hmm. like a thousand ways to crack this egg but this seems to be like the one that's in my budget the Mm -hmm. one that seems like something i can do
4: Mm -hmm.
2: and i think those are like key factors to always keep in mind like how much do you have to work with um definitely don't budget so that it's like oh yeah like if i mess this up i can't do it again because i can't afford it like mm-hmm. i definitely have a wad of cash ready just in case i like cut something too short i could be like okay time to get another piece of wood yeah <laughs> longer yeah um yeah learned a lot along the way uh measure twice cut once that was like Every friend that came in, like, let's cut it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, Measure <laughs> it again. And it's crazy how many times we'd measure and be like, wow, it's like 10 inches off. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, um, I just, I've been around um, some fortunate circumstances where people just strive for excellence.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, not perfection, but just quality that they can be proud of. And so I held myself to that standard in building this. And when I had engineers come in to approve it, they they were like, "Yeah, this is better than we would have tried to do."
3: <laughs> wow. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. I was like, "Great, that's that's good. Thank you guys for like they helped me on that journey." Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, do you have time for one more question? Hit me. Um, how has your education influenced or helped where you are at now as a musician?
2: Oh man, <laughs> Oof. um, have you guys ever been hesitant in execution? <laughs> I yep. basically cuts that out. <laughs> I I don't hesitate so much anymore. <laughs> um, my foundation is what I wanted to secure in college. And I feel like I did a really solid job at that. So now when I see like new elements that I have to learn in music, I have like a huge sea of resources to draw from. And whether those are like books or like past knowledge I've accumulated or people in the industry that I've like worked with or learned from, Um, to help me and like bounce things off of, and it just makes it so much easier to be like, oh, I'm gonna learn guitar this week. It's like I'm currently doing, and instead of it being like a stick with a bunch of strings and a mystery vortex, (laughs) no, it's like okay, like you know, there are notes. There's harmony. Like you could read it. watch it you can learn it orally like there's so many ways to do it but at the end of the day like the harmony still holds sound Mm -hmm. so instead of you know learning like a g shape and not having any clue what that means i can take that shape and go okay if you like use the cage method you can take it all over the instrument and i think that's a crazy advantage to have um Versus something like Has no clue what relationship That G shape has to like A G minor shape Mm -hmm. And the different Voicings that you could have With that and like oh how come this one Seems like You know but then this one has like Like more levity To it Or why this one has like even more levity to it or if I take the same shape but just change the root you know now it feels like we're about to go somewhere Ah, uh, you know you know it's like those are all things that have already been solved and so now instead of having to solve like a b c d e f g I can just look at like okay how do I get my fingers to move <laughs> correctly uh-huh.
1: Didn't you tell me that the first instrument you wanted to play was the cello? Am I remembering that wrong?
2: It was one of the first instruments I played.
1: Yeah, you said first. it didn't go very well, right? Huh? <laughs> I thought you said it didn't go very well. So I'm just I'm laughing now because you said a guitar, but maybe I'm remembering that wrong.
2: <laughs> no no, I uh seventh seventh grade was one heck of a year. Actually it was eighth grade. <laughs> <laughs> um I joined orchestra and I played cello and I was like, for that age group and for being like a semester deep, I were really good at pits. I was just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is nice. Get a bone in my hand and I was like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um,
2: but yeah, the the glue, <laughs> I think Angela, you know where this is going. Do you want to just guess where it's going?
1: I just want you to tell it. <laughs> well, part of the instrument came apart, I'm sure. I'm not sure if it was the fingerboard or the actual series.
2: I came home and this part was on the floor. Was gone. <laughs> just like ragdolled by the strings. And like the bridges across the room, and the body was just like on its side. And my teacher at the time. Um he, like, instilled the the fear of, like, himself almighty into <laughs> every one of us about <laughs> one of the school instruments. And I was like, mom, this man's going to, like, just dis- not going to exist after.
1: He's going to eat you for dinner.
2: <laughs> I wish that would be, like, better than what it sounds like. I'm going to be obliterated. Um, <laughs> I couldn't explain it either I was like I don't know I I left it there and I came back (laughs) I I, like with tears in my eyes begged her to come to school with me (laughs) you have to like you saw it you left with me you came home like and she told him and he was so sweet about it he's like oh it happens all the time and I'm like um
1: all the time (laughs) like
2: don't leave mom (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just wait one Can more second there's everything. something coming Corner, <laughs> because this is not real life um yeah just the with the temperature in california going from like really warm to staying right where it is it honestly doesn't make any sense the glue and the pressure just made the two parts the body and the neck unbind and mm. uh, I mean, you know what it's like when the, what is it called? Like the little bridge?
1: It just flattens,
2: yeah. I mean, if that were to happen to me as a novice again, I would probably... The re- wind. Feel- you. Yeah. <laughs> this was like one step above where it was just like, it's in two pieces, three pieces. <laughs> it's,
1: it's funny that that happened to you because actually the son of a conductor in one of the orchestras that I was helping with literally opened his case exact same injury on his violin the Mm. neck had just completely dislodged and my brother's bass had the same problem but that's because my cousin stood on the he's like oh this looks like a fun toy (laughs) (laughs) that was before he was a professional so it's okay but it Uh it is a rather common injury to (laughs) poor string (laughs) instruments
2: i mean yeah oh my gosh if you guys have a moment for like this one other topic of course please cases and the importance of having a solid case (laughs) like before you (laughs) tell us this
1: tell us when you finally got an a good case for your saxophone
2: which saxophone yeah
1: (laughs) i know right (laughs) well
2: my alto once i got it back um it was stolen and then like miraculously return to like one of the jobs that I had which Again, is a-
1: God provides. Yeah. It was just unreal when this happened. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like right around Christmas time, like literally <laughs> like the week of. <laughs> um I got a uh, Can I bring it on screen? Yeah. Sure. Yeah,
1: of course.
2: All right. I got this case uh, from the Boston Sack Shop,
4: mm-hmm.
2: and this is their Ambassador series. looks really good. It's lightweight, uh, straps, so cool. Dur- yeah, it's durable. It's
1: so from the case, mm-hmm. I remember seeing you with.
2: <laughs> Very nice. A box, which a lot of people have, like those are horrible. Your horn will get really jacked up in that. Um, these form-fitting cases, and that's what I needed. Form-fitting, because then things don't move around; they don't get squished. Um,
1: Too, isn't it? Huh? It's harder as well, isn't it? Like it's a hard case.
2: This one is a hard case. It's primarily made from wood. Um, really rad case. Quite affordable. Um,
0: Hashtag ad.
2: <laughs> I mean, they still cost a lot of money.
1: Yeah, yeah. Of course.
2: But um, this is like. Definitely a high end case that is really affordable for what it is. I got that um, last year, right before touring with The Midnight. During like April of this year, I got this case. This is a Manning custom case. Mm. Uh, it's like.
1: It looks like it's uh, carbon fiber, is it?
2: It is carbon fiber. Mm.
1: That's what I got right? for Adola.
2: Its price tag is way more than that guy down there. <laughs> yep, like five, to four, five times as much. Wow, but a huge difference being, uh, the gentleman who makes this case, he um, he guarantees its quality, forever, like until he can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say one of my latches breaks, he'll fix it for free. Nice. Cool. And um with the saxophone in it this case and the sax weigh i think half a pound more than that case and that sax Mm. and this is a much larger sax and the inside of it is i'm really pleased with it i don't know maybe this might be my favorite color this year i don't know
3: oh
1: yeah wow
2: Yeah, so it's super fun. Everything is like he builds the hole inside to custom fit whatever sax you have. My sax is old; it is really old, 1930s. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The mechanisms on it are like backwards from modern horns, so a lot of cases don't fit it well. Mm -hmm. Like don't fit, but then you'll like notice things are starting to like move, and playing gets wonky. Oh, dear. Yeah, so getting this case was imperative, especially since this is the horn that uh, surfaces, um, has me touring on.
1: Well, and I know that, at least as a younger musician, I didn't think so much about the weight aspect of a case. But if you think about how many times you pick it up and where you're going and you're carrying, and obviously you don't want to check your instrument like baggage, so you've (laughs) got to take it on every airplane. getting a carbon case for my viola when i went to study at the conservatory of paris was like the best best decision i ever made because it is on the public transport for 45 minutes each way and if i'd had that you know really heavy case i would have like torn out my rotator cuff so
2: yeah and backpack straps are crucial to having your hands free so you can grab more yep mm-hmm. but in this case the thing i like about it is there's no pocket on the outside which is where a lot of like thievery happens
4: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm
2: like in an underground of some sort whether it's in like new york or like london which are like mecca's free musicians well there's going to be a lot of people there butting up against you it's like how is one supposed to know if your back is being sifted through and all your goodies are being taken out so that Mm -hmm. that case super worth it huge ease of mind I've had to put my sax under the plane in most Ooh. circumstances and, like, get to the gig and just be like, it won't make a sound. Uh. And uh, PM Woodwind saved my life that night. I called them. They were closed. They're like, yeah, we're going to open up. I'll fix your horn. <laughs> wow. Uh, oh, dude, provided for. I mean, that that sax right there, that's, like, my dream horn and my my repair my repairman gave it to me because he's like, yeah, the horn you currently have is crap. <laughs> <laughs> You're too good to be playing that. <laughs> and he's like, he was the cutest about it. He's like, you know, I like barry sax. I don't really like center. So you can just have this one.
0: Whoa.
2: And wow. It's, it's a so that's like a, a Stradivarius, you know, for like saxophone. And just to be like, I don't really like violin. You can have this. Like, <laughs>
0: 16 million dollars a
1: a similar thing happened to my danish friend he was playing and this family had like an heirloom violin that's similar to Stradivarius. and they heard him play and they're like we don't have anyone in our family to hand this down to and we've been waiting for a violinist to come along that would do the instrument justice you know what i mean it's just like yeah
2: there's kind people out there yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah
0: so i think one kind of common theme is kind of just, like, the relationships that you've had have been not, I mean, it's not just that you're good, it's that you're, like, kind to the people you're around so that you get these experiences, like, with Kanye and, like, with surfaces, or just, like, having good relationships with people. Does that seem to, like, be a common thread? Would you, would you agree with?
2: Yeah, you know, I was raised, um, I was kind of raised in circumstances where being honest to yourself was really important
4: mm-hmm.
2: and surrounding yourself with community that could also reflect that was really important. And so I've been extraordinarily fortunate to be a part of ensembles where the people in them just come at face value and mm-hmm. are very kind and which lends itself to being really easy to be natural and kind in return. And um, I mean, you'll you'll heck, I've met people who like you can tell they're putting on the the g, and it's like, oh, that's interesting. Like it's not the same. I like <laughs> people, like who woke up happy because they went to bed and got like eight hours of sleep, or like were eating well, so they feel well.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, like who managed life events whether it's like death or stress or whatever they take the time to like process those emotions so now they can be present Mm
3: -hmm. and
2: uh, i've definitely done a lot of work there to do so and alongside having the fortune of being with awesome people Mm -hmm. it's very easy to just like be awesome with them and it's it's kind of like the more awesome people you put near you, the more awesome things just start to happen. Like I said, the party, I live for that. And yeah, a lot of these people, they're like, oh, we love the party. Or like, we want to know how you got to the party. Or like, we want to be a part of the party. And, or like, hey, we want you to be a part of our party. And there's a reason why so many anthems are like, where my party people are? Yeah,
1: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> and, you know, Uh, Langdon, the guy who gave me the sax I bought a sax because I had a gig and I went to the shop and was like, what's the cheapest thing you have on the wall? (laughs) They looked at a horn didn't even have a price tag I played every horn, I was like, I'll get that guy it turned out to be $200 (laughs) they themselves couldn't even explain it, they're like, yeah like it's what it says, but (laughs) I'm like, well, if you guys want to raise the price do it, but, you know but um, yeah, it wasn't the best party instrument. <laughs> Not going to lie, you guys. <laughs> so um, this sweet man who like repairs horns, who like encourages people to have awesome moments, gave me that thing. And he's like, yeah, I know you're just going to be like creating the best of times with it. <laughs> and because it's in my nature to, to make these awesome happy, joy-filled times where people can express and feel emotions, whether it's like weeping or like shouting with joy. It just seems like the path before me and behind me has been like filled, just filled, relentlessly filled with like kindness and good things.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Um, in closing, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you think is something that you have learned that would be a tool for a musician that they could put in their toolbox that we haven't already spoken about
2: wow oh yeah for sure i was thinking about this earlier today if somebody is taking on a teacher whether it's like a youtube teacher or like a physical person you're paying to tell you what to do um, or if it's a friend whatever the circumstances if it's an agreed upon this is a teacher and I'm going to be their student type of situation um, I think the most important part of that relationship is just surrendering fully to the information that person has to offer and just becoming a, a real disciple of that information um, whatever one has that they want to yield out of it it will come when that happens and I definitely had a moment where I struggled to take on a teacher I thought the guy was amazing but for some reason when I'd sit in the lesson I was just like oh, I could feel myself like fighting the knowledge mm. and I recorded every lesson and I had to like have a huge heart to heart with me like accept it like whatever is in me that won't take it accept it and the moment I just started drinking in his information my musicianship went way up my like kindness went way up like my ability to submerge myself and take things in just skyrocketed and I feel like that's the equation to successfully collaborating with others to being able to adapt to like their like funky parts whatever it is like some people aren't really good with words but they're amazing with just like showing you how to play things mm-hmm. and um, Fred Lipschitz that's one guy, Blood, Sweat and Tears uh, saxophonist and writer I had him as an instructor I'd ask him a question he'd be like oh yeah 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 like pfft blasted on piano and be like all right what's next yeah. <laughs> oh my god all righty I would say his gift wasn't really in words but he definitely brought it to the table and I was like okay as a student what do I have to do to like really assimilate this information
1: yeah
0: hmm. I love that aspect of just like humility and just kind of accepting it and working it in yeah I, it's
1: it's thing. better for both parties. Yeah. Having, you know, you've been a teacher, I've been a teacher, and it is challenging for everybody when mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. So yeah.
2: Oh, oh totally. And like <laughs> we all have goals.
3: Yeah. Like,
2: almost every single person I've ever met who's touched an instrument <laughs> wants to be like the next greatest thing in their lives that they've ever heard on that instrument. That's <laughs> the goal. A piano? Oh shh! You know, and instantly you can see them sing like their hero in their eyes, but with like their face on that guy's face.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And it's like, well, the path to that level of success isn't like this. Mm -hmm. Maybe in the like, if you zoom out really far, it looks like that, but really it's like, oh, 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 weird. Okay, oh yeah. yes over here and um besides performing i specialize in helping people achieve their goals musically Hmm. and it really helps to have somebody like when i learn or when they learn it really helps all of us to have somebody who can just say like this is what you need to do to get from point a to point b even though like the goal might be like, I want to get to point like lambda X, Z, Y, three four four. It's like, yeah, but first you got to just connect the little dots. And um, at the end of the day, we just really have to like commit to like, OK, all of this doesn't matter. I'm just trying to get from A to B. Once I nail that and own it, then I get from B to C. And one day, hopefully soon. Lambdo ZYX321 (laughs) will be there. That's
0: great. Well, thank you so much. We we appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. I learned a lot.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, we're fairly new, so we'd appreciate it if you shared it with all of your friends. And you can find us on all the podcasting platforms you listen to. And we're also on YouTube, so thanks for watching.
1: Is there an episode that you would like us to cover or a topic that we haven't yet? If you have one, feel free to contact us through our website, which is the com, or... You can email us at the musicians, podcast, the musicians Toolbox Podcast at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, and we also, for those of you who are watching our YouTube channel, know, but we've got some amazing merch that we're not wearing right now, but it looks really sick. So we recommend you check that out and support us. That really helps us appreciate you checking that out on our website um, and also anywhere else. Links.
1: you could probably find a picture or two of it also on our social media accounts oh, yeah. um, and you can also find information about the next person that we're going to be presenting to you so yeah. we are on Instagram and Facebook. Facebook and you can find us at The Musicians Toolbox
0: perfect, thanks for listening, see Thank you later you. bye